Hey guys, Tom Laird, voice of advice from a call center geek, CEO at Expedia. Hey, the podcast is brought to you by Expedia Interaction Marketing. We are a 600-seat call center outsourcer. I would love to talk to any of you looking to outsource any of your customer support or your sales functions, looking for political calling or, or just some extra overflow during the holiday season. If you are looking for any type of USA outsourcing support, hit me up. You guys know my LinkedIn. I'd love to talk. This is Advice from a Call Center Geek, a weekly podcast with a focus on all things call center. We'll cover it all from call center operations, hiring, culture, technology, and education. We're here to give you actionable items to improve the quality of yours and your customers' experience. This is an evolving industry with creative minds and ambitious people like this guy. Not only is his passion call center operations, but he's our host. He's the CEO of Expedia Interaction Marketing Group and the call center geek himself, Tom Laird. All right, guys, we're going to get this kicked off. Um, excited for another you know, office hour. I have a bunch of questions that were actually submitted earlier, which is kind of cool. Uh, as people are starting to file in, Hey, Muhammad, how are you, buddy? Um, so I will get to those. There's, there's about four or five that are, I think pretty in depth and pretty, pretty cool questions that I think can add some value here. So give this another minute, see if you guys have anything that, that you want to ask off the top. If not, then I'm going to start with, with some of those questions. Cause I think that'll, that'll get us a pretty good discussion here of, of, of where we can start. So first question here from Muhammad. Um, how can we control average handle time? And, and I'm sure that he's, he's talking about peak season. Um, well, I mean, that's there's a lot of ways to, to kind of answer that. I think number one is it really shouldn't be too much different than if you're in your off season, right, or in your, your lower headcount times. I think the thing that makes sense here is you got to make sure that your staffing's right. Most of the time, if it's your first time doing it, that can be difficult if you don't have any historical data. Um, but you know, the, the other thing is make sure that you have that benchmarked, right? So I'm sure you, you probably do have that benchmark. So, you know, your rep should, should pretty much know where they should be, you know, plus or minus a, you know, whatever it's 10, 15%, um, from their handle time over the day or, or over a week period of time. So, um, I know that during peak seasons, you know, for us, you know, for some of our retail clients, it can be extremely hectic. Right. When you're especially when you're talking about, you know, Christmas time. Uh, so I think for for some of that, we we will try to do and prepare them uh, with extra trainings ahead of time. Right. For specific things that are going to happen during that that peak time. Right. So we know during Christmas on the retail side, we're looking for a lot of delivery issues. Uh, we're looking for, you know, things where people are having issues on the website right? They need to get their order in quick. There's going to be more questions on shipping. Um, that probably doesn't happen during that uh, that off-season time as much. So I think that's that's kind of the main focus is a lot of times your call volume or the, the types of calls shift during different periods of time. So making sure that you're prepared for that, your reps are prepared for that to make sure that that handle time goes down, that you're you're limiting the amount of time that they're, they're talking to a supervisor or have somebody on hold. Um, you know, you got to really just watch more on the on the after call work and things like that when your reps are getting kind of burned out, right? If you're getting hammered, right? Understanding what occupancy is, right? And 
and really making sure that you're not over that kind of 45 minutes out of the hour or 75% occupancy, right? I think if you go over 45 minutes out of the hour where your reps are basically in a talking state, that's hard to do over an eight-hour period. So that's something that you need to kind of kind of watch as well. Um, let's see here. We have this question here. Um, how can we increase average handle time in sales campaigns? Well, a lot of times when you have lower handle time, uh, your reps are not they're not trained very well in, in the rebuttal aspect of it, right? They're not trained very well in, in looking for the value in the product and being able to kind of expound upon that, right? So we don't really want to sell on a on a 30-day offer, just take it. We want to sell on the merits of the product or the service that we're offering. So I think that that becomes more of an issue of making sure that your reps are really good at the sales aspect, right? That you really have done a good job with the rebuttal aspect. And then obviously if you have a cross-sell upsell and you have low handle time, maybe they're not even doing that as well. So again, just a couple tips that I think can, can help. But a lot of times when I see that, when we have an, an inbound sales type program and we have reps that are in that maybe three minutes or two minutes when everybody else is at five, I can probably tell you that those are our lower producers, uh, our lower sales guys and need a little bit more work. So I, I hope that that helps, uh, helps a little bit with that as well. All right. Um, let's take a question that I got uh, from my emails. And the first one, let's do right from the top here. Do you have or can you talk about the journey or day in the life of a contact center manager, supervisor, and agent? And a day in the life of a, of a contact center supervisor is going to be different depending on what type of organization you have, what your culture is. I mean, the only thing that I can really give you is I think what works for us is, right, a, a call center manager comes in, they'll check, uh, they'll come in at least 15 minutes before their shift, check all their emails, make sure if there's any been any changes. Um, we have a supervisor meeting as well that kind of goes before that. So talk about the day, what's going on, you know, as an overall management team. Um, they will then, we call it controlling the first 30 minutes of your shift. Now with work from home, we've kind of changed that to controlling the first hour of your shift, right? So the supervisor for us is in total control, right? Um, they need to be talking, doing a, a team meeting, right? Five minutes, keeping it super positive. Even if you had a rough day yesterday, don't bring any of that negativity in, right? Being high energy, um, trying to stay as positive as you can, talking about any changes or anything that, that's going to happen during the day. We then do one-on-ones with each of our reps, right? So it's it's a quick five-minute, right now it's IMing, right? Where we'll actually give individual goals, talk to them about, hey, you know, yesterday you were here, we talked about listening to for closing signals on the sale, or, hey, your handle time's been doing really good, um, you know, let's keep that up, or let's, let's set a goal for here, right? So giving individual goals um, as well. The other thing that I think that we do that has worked really well is, and people push back on me all the time, but we're doing it every day, is... Every 15 minutes, the supervisor is responding or saying something in their IMs to the group, right? To their team Slack, right? And it doesn't have to be a, a war and peace, right? We're just saying, uh, hey, uh, great start, guys. Service level's at 83%. Keep it going. Handle time looks great. Hey, Janie just had an awesome QA score of 98. Janie, great job. You know, whatever it is, every 15 minutes, four times an hour, uh, making sure that they're, they're kind of talking. The reps know that they're there. Uh, we also always say that we are celebrating 
in public, right? So good QA scores, anything that's positive happens in the team chat or on the floor. If, if we have a, a team that's here, anytime that we need to coach, anytime that something happened that wasn't perfect, um, we're going to do that privately and, and kind of talk to the rep that way. Um, at the end of the shift, um, our supervisor, we, we actually have a checklist to make sure that they're going through certain monitorings that they're doing throughout the day, um, that they're doing their hours, uh, making sure that everything is is where it needs to be from kind of the housekeeping side of the business. Um, our reps ask just not to not to be told yes or no, but I guess more of a heads up. Hey, I'm going to lunch now. We're scheduled. Right. But there's still a little give and take with that. Um, and then at the end of the shift, we have our supervisors write a synopsis, right? So this is kind of what happened on my team. And there's kind of a set structure with that. I've posted that a couple of times, but maybe I'll post that again. To, you guys can kind of see the structure of, of the synopsis at the end of the shift. And that's kind of the, I guess, the quick 30,000 foot view of the, the day in the life. All right, let's go to this one. <clears throat> All right. You have talked about KPIs and insights that managers need to manage your team and operations. Do you have the same for agents? And, th- and this is a yes and no. So on our dashboard, our reps can see kind of where they are. Um, and we're a BPO. We're not an internal call center. I think if you're an internal call center, things like you know, handle time and efficiencies and, and those kind of things probably take a little bit higher precedent. For us, quality is the number one, right? For us, quality trumps efficiency. Um, now, we want to be both. Right. But if we have to choose and we have a rep that's on a longer call because they have a customer that really needs some t- extra time explaining things. Right. We're not going to say, hey, get off the phone. Um, so from that aspect, yes, our reps know where they should be at when it comes to handle time, when it comes to things like after call work and wrap time. Right. They know that they shouldn't be taking advantage of that. We know how long it takes from being from having all these programs benchmarked. If it's under 30 seconds, if it's eight seconds. You know, I'm not a huge stickler on it until you take advantage of it from an after-call work standpoint. Um, the other thing is just occupancy, right? And making sure that you're available to take calls, right? That's probably the biggest thing that we're going to go and, and have our managers look at. But the reps have to kind of self-police their time, especially when they're home, because the supervisor is not constantly looking at that, although it's on the checklist. So they do it a couple times a, a, a day. So again, I think that there are, Certain things that they're responsible for, I will tell you that the reps ask every single day, hey, where's my QA? Uh, did anybody listen to any of my calls today? You know, we rank that. We rank sentiment, right? So, you know, having agent sentiment ranked is pretty awesome, right? So you know, we can see who the quote unquote nicest customer service rep is and somebody who's a little bit more firm. Now, that doesn't mean that they're the best. That means for specific programs, they're the best. But this person down here might be a better salesperson, right? So we kind of take that into account. And we found it kind of seen that sentiment scores, depending on where they are, um, sometimes that correlates to what type of agent they are, um, that we can actually put it into a, to a number standpoint. So I think hopefully that kind of answers the question. But I think it's a little bit more, not difficult, but you know, these guys are on the front lines. You know, they're handling calls. It's very hard to say, hey, why are you at 380 when you should, you know, or three minutes and 38 seconds when you should be at three minutes and 20 seconds? Like, I'm not doing that. Um, now, if there's a trend that they're over five minutes, yeah, maybe we're going to talk. Um, but again, they're benchmarked. They know what they should be at. They know what the team is at. And they know if they're out of range that somebody's at least going to talk to them and be like, hey, what's going on? Is anything happening today? So um, I think I think that's kind of how, how I would answer that. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a give and take between the, the managers and the supervisors. Um, 
I have another question here that just came in on LinkedIn. Okay, well, digital BPOs of the future. Love this question. Um, example, Expedia Digital need to offer XLAs, right, instead of in addition to SLAs for support functions. And, yeah, so XLAs are basically um, experience service levels, right? So basically saying what is the end outcome? And you see this a lot in tech support, right? Tech support, yes, it is important to have a specific service level, but for a lot of those, they're ticket, right? So you're not going to answer their question in 30 seconds or less or, you know, or even get to it in 30 seconds or less. But the main goal is to kind of have that, that one interaction um, finalization, right? So I think that this is, this is going to be really true. And I think that there's a lot of different aspects to this. So talking about like Expedia Digital and the BPOs of the future, you know, we're going to, we're starting, we've had multiple talks on Expedia Digital, which basically means we're going to try to really get into Web3, where NFTs are. Um, we believe that NFTs are not just projects that are happening, but they're the next businesses that are going to be happening. So we want to be able to service them because the service model is totally broken. It's really not even set up. So to be able to integrate with Discord, to be able to integrate with with Facebook, Twitter, you know, all those digital channels now, digital channels that we don't even know about that are that are going to come out, um, to be able to handle tickets in that manner, to be able to to offer voice right through a Discord, through integrations, um, and it will come down to the point where you know the service agreements that we're going to have in the future are going to be less about the actual voice call being answered in the experience service level um, or making sure that, you know, those get, get taken care of. Um, and I think that, you know, we see that too. I mean, probably, I don't know, maybe about 10 to 15% of our business is tech support. So, you know, we're handling trouble tickets sometimes for internal um, internal support for a large organization, sometimes external for their, for their customers. And this is a metric that we, we definitely um, are following. And I think uh, with this, there can be some more with it other than just finished tickets. But I think there's an analytic piece as well uh, that we can really look at, especially after um, after we have fixed the problem and to see, you know, what, what type of experience did the customer have? Are they happy with that? We can measure that too through analytics, especially on the digital side because it's all written word. Right? Written word is way easier to do analytics on than, than voice, right? Because voices can be a little bit subjective with your – AI or whatever tool you're using, uh, but with um, with with text like email, chat, digital, social media, um, it, it's pretty straightforward. So I think I think there's a there's a tie to both of them, right? Where it's going to be, you know, your XLA, uh, making sure that that's done. Your service level, right? It's got to be done in a certain period of time, and then let's measure as well the customer experience on the back end, tying all those together for the new service model, or what will be kind of the the new model for for a world class digital center. Um, where, where I see things are going and we're trying to kind of position ourselves for. So I really appreciate that question. Um, hopefully that gives an answer. I think it's pretty straightforward, but I think there's kind of a threefold on, on how we look at tech support now and how that kind of rolls over into kind of the, the digital aspect of, of this as well. Any brand, right, obviously needs really good support. But I think for these NFT projects in their infancy right now, it's community based and it's a small community, right? So, you know, some of these guys have 50, hundred million dollars going into an NFT project for a new gaming system, 
right? Or um, a new way to do digital payments. And if there's any FUD, right? And FUD is basically people talking down on the project because they had an issue that can spiral out of control. And so with the amount of money going into these with, with only maybe 10,000 or 20,000 or 50,000 people able to buy in, if you get a large percentage of those that are going negative, your whole thing's going to fail. So it's a really fragile ecosystem right now. One that really needs some help and some support. And I think that, you know, hopefully we're, we're one of the options, you know, moving forward here as, as 2020 goes on to, to, to help with that. And I think you'll see a lot of different BPOs doing the same thing. Um, and you'll see these projects too, that don't want to outsource set up a full service area, not just like some dudes on Fiverr or some volunteers that are in their discord trying to say, Hey, everything's going to be fine. Right. I think it needs to be a little bit more professional. And when you're talking about drops, that can be, you know, 50 million, 20 million bucks to pay a couple hundred grand a year in service. You know, it's, it's not that big of a, big of a deal. And it, it makes, I think, total sense. All right. Um, all right. A couple questions here. All right. Let's take David's here. So our agent coaching sessions look like, so <clears throat> how this works here um, is, is in a couple of different ways. Number one, EQA is Expedia quality assurance. So that's, that's our, that's our quality department. They're, they're kind of off the floor kind of in this, uh, I don't know, kind of hidden area, I guess, right. That, uh, is a little bit away from everything. They do most of the monitoring. Um, we try to do about 80 to to 90% live calls throughout the day, right? And then we do about 10 to 15, depending of recorded calls, especially for agents that we're working on, on a certain way. Uh, supervisors are also monitoring. They may not score as much, but they're monitoring. They have a checklist that they're supposed to be at least getting you know, two to three monitorings per rep per week. EQA is trying to do that as well. So we hopefully can get like six um, scored calls per rep. When we have an issue or when there's a, a coaching that needs to happen, if EQA does it, they'll talk to the supervisor. The supervisor will then do an IM, uh, do a video call, or if they're in-house, do a do a one-on-one with those guys. And, you know, we, we talk to them about um, – trying to keep this as positive as you possibly can. Um, we don't have like a set script because I believe that each agent is different. And, and I think it's really important for the supervisor to understand who their agents are. Um, and they know who they can kind of get on because come on, you know, Michelle, you know, you know this, we've talked about it a couple of times, but come on, you got to work with me here. And there's the other ones that are like that, that need their handheld. Right. So we're going to do a lot of things with that. You know, it's going to be just, hey, this is kind of what EQA said. I listened to the call as well. I want you to listen to it with me. Most of the time we will have them listen. We'll have the rep give their feedback first. Uh, most of the time they kind of be like, yeah, I screwed that up. Or, yeah, I, prom- I, I won't do that again. Uh, but sometimes it's, it's more nuanced, right? It's not just as black or white that they made a mistake. It's, you know, they didn't listen. They're, they didn't uh, get deeper into the call to offer um, or, or to sell something appropriately, or, you know, they they took a, a, a different route to how, you know, it, it maybe got the job done right on the service side, but there's a quicker way to do it. So that can cut handle time and be more efficient, you know, so we'll talk kind of those things through. Uh, now, if it is something that is blatant and aw- awful, HR will get involved, right? Very rarely happens. Um, 
But then from that aspect, we make sure that the rep gets monitored and scored by EQA within 30 minutes of the of the session that we just had. So most 90% of the time that gets kind of fixed, right, from, from that aspect. Um, but that's kind of how it works. Um, there's, there is no set. Um, we just role play a lot with our supervisors, right? So each supervisor kind of understands how to handle different things if a rep's being defined, if a rep's being you know, if they're crying, if a rep is uh, um, kind of just kind of blowing it off, right? We talk through those situations. And to be honest, I'll probably do a podcast on that. That's a great uh, that's a great episode to kind of do. I think that would add a lot of value. Um, but we do just do a lot of role playing because I think each individual session is different. We've tried to kind of just calibrate it where we do the same thing every time, but it doesn't work because I think every single person is is a little bit different. So I don't know if that really helps, uh, but that's kind of uh, that's kind of you know how we work it. Um, we also do we call it um, weekly ed. So we pull. When I mean pull, we basically keep our reps over an hour, or bring them in an hour before once a week. We don't build a client for it, and we do things like especially soft skills. Right? Nobody's talking to each other anymore. Everybody's texting. So we have to make sure that we're doing a really good job with with teaching not only language, um, but, you know, depending on the client, some of them want perfect, you know, English, um, not talking to your buddies down the street, that kind of thing. So we'll work a lot on, on soft skills, not so much, you know, what to do on the program, but trying to just, uh, you know, giving an overall uh, polishing of the rep. I don't know if that's that's the right term for it, but I think you get what I mean. All right. From Juan. Uh, hi, Tom. Uh, how do you keep your agents motivated? Your top five star actions regarding for Monterey, the best BPO city in Mexico for U.S. companies. I like your plug. Um, so I don't know about five star actions or five of them. Um, things have really changed a lot since we moved to, to work from home. So let me just tell you, if you are internal centers, I think it's way easier and a lot more fun. Um, we have a book of about 150, 160 games that we can play on site that have been created for, from supervisors. So anytime that that's a tip, anytime that you have a game or something that your reps really like, make sure you write it down, put it in a book, um, keep it because we can just continue to, uh, to, to, uh, to utilize that you know, over and over and over. Um, but again, we had a game going on in every single team every single day, which is, you know, something that I think is, is was a huge aspect. We're trying to do that from work from home. Um, it's a little bit more pulling teeth because we're a little bit more limited in what we can do. Um, we have done a lot of things because we're not, um, we're not on site. We're going to, especially this year, we're going to try to do a lot more offsite things, right? So, you know, going to baseball games, hockey games, those kind of things where we can add some kind of, camaraderie there um, the other thing that we're we have and we're going now full bore with because we've probably done it we're in the middle of implementation of our gamification platform through in contact or cx1 in 2020 um, but now you know each rep can create their own avatar they can collect coins they can bet during the day like hey i bet you my handle time is better than your handle time um which makes some things a lot of fun. Um, then there's a there's a store that we're setting up. Uh, don't have it set up yet. Um, taking a lot of feedback from the agents um, on what they want there, but everything from vacation time to PTO. 
um, to hats and shirts and those kind of things. The other thing I will tell you that is a little bit maybe off the wall is I would suggest that each organization and each call center that you guys have is to create groups or kind of um, committees. So again, we have a, a new um, uh, equipment committee, right? So anytime that we're going to get a new chair, anytime that we're going to get a new headset, anytime that we're going to make any changes, new computers, um, we bring the committee in, we have them test everything. We have them kind of vote on it. And then <laughs> that way it's their fault if, if the other ages don't like it. Now that's not true, but kind of, right. We want to get them to, to, to have a buy-in. There's an executive committee, right. That um, is set up for anything that we're going to make, you know, changes to, to how people are paid changes to our attendance policy, you know, we're not trying to be um, have an edict that it's coming from on high, but trying to say, hey, guys, we're all in this together. This is why we need to do this from a revenue standpoint, or this is why I think this group needs a raise. Um, what do you guys think? Are you guys cool with this? Do you have any other ideas? Um, I think that's a, another huge way that is, you know, outside where it kind of shows that you, know, you care about the agents, right? And that we're all in this together. And it's not just, again, coming from, you know, Tom on down, but it's, it's an Expedia decision. It's not a, not a, not a me decision. So the more that you can get the buy-in of your reps, the more motivated, the more engaged that I think they'll be. The other thing is, you know, 80% of our, all of our management team is, has come from in-house, right? So our reps um, see that there's a pathway, right? That they can get to, to other places that they want to be. Um, So I don't know, those are kind of some of the ways that, you know, we really work, but I think, you know, it's it's the attitude and effort that's our culture is really really important. Uh, making sure that uh, our supervisors are really trying their best to to engage every single day. That's why we want them every fifteen minutes to be you know talking in Slack. It can't just be a an empty shell of a of a channel. Um, but it's different. It's not as fun, uh, but it can still still be done. Uh, I think pretty pretty well. All right. Uh, this question here, which of the department is the best in BPO carrier admin or in operations? I, I, I don't know if you're asking like what, uh, who I would recommend from a telephony standpoint, the best BPO carrier, um, best operation. Like, I, I don't want to really talk about that. Um, I, I think there's so many good ones and it. Again, when I consult, it's, it's whatever's best for that organization. You know, I just talked to a, to an awesome guy today who owns, you know, a smaller answering service and, you know, talking about they need to upgrade their telephony. You know, what's going to be right for his organization is not going to be right for the, you know, 500 seat um, retail company that wants to upgrade. So I think it's, it's pretty difficult. I mean, if you, just kind of look at the main players. I mean, we can talk about main players of nice and contact talk desk, uh, UJet at five, nine. Um, and I hate doing that cause I'm leaving so many out cause there's so many good ones. Um, but again, if you have any questions on that, if you're looking, um, hit me up and you know, we can do a scope call. And, and again, it's, it's whatever's best I think for, for what you guys, what you guys need. I got a lot of, uh, Interesting feedback on the last podcast, and if you've not listened to the last podcast, you need to to kind of check that out. Um, you know, we we talked a lot on on the blockchain. Oh, my hair looks crazy here. 
getting a haircut today. Um, talked a lot on the blockchain and how I, I think that that can be, you know, a bigger um, disruptor, right? Than uh, than even AI. I think there's so many things that are going to be coming from from the blockchain, from from the digital aspect that so many of us are kind of pushing back on um, that we, we, we kind of want to put our head in the sand because we don't understand the tech. I mean, it, it really reminds me of, of internet 1.0, you know, why would people, why would I ever give my credit card and put my credit card online? Why would I ever go buy a book online when I have a bookstore right here, right? This thing will never work. I don't understand it. Why would I need to buy wine um, online? Right. Those types of things were, now are just everyday things I think is going to happen with, with this blockchain, um, with the technology that it is. I think so many people are putting NFTs and bad NFTs in the same space as blockchain. Remember, the blockchain is here. That's the technology. And all that layer two, basically NFTs and those type of things are, are built on top of it. So don't give the blockchain a bad rap because there's some crappy NFT projects. Um, and I think that's kind of where we are now because everything is, is so new. Um, how, how can you control attrition in sales? And I'm, I'm assuming you're meaning, um, looking for retention of customers, right? So when you do sell something, um, this is a huge aspect of, of a lot of what we do. And I think a lot of what web three might, may fix, right? We were just talking to, um, and I'm gonna get a little weird here talking to a client um, that we've had for a really long time was just in Chicago with them and they do a 1995 product, right? And it's a medical product. Um, it's like a dental plan, right? For your teeth. And, you know, like anything, you know, all of those things, when the economy goes down, when inflation goes up, you know, those are the first things that you cut from your credit card. So they're dealing with a lot of attrition uh, right now. And again, I'm going to answer your question, but just to talk about this, but imagine doing, imagine doing an, an NFT for that, right? So you have this package and the utility is all the things that you're offering your customers, right? They're just trying to get to three, three bills, right? So it's 1995, three times, right? So basically 60 bucks. So you sell it for 80 bucks, right? You already made your basically four payments. Customer has it. They use it. If they don't like it, they can actually sell it, right? So they don't cancel anymore. There's no canceling. They actually go and they sell it. Somebody else buys it. Company gets a, the, the percentage of the sale, and it's a, a reoccurring annuity. I think you're going to see a lot of that um, with SaaS products, um, with software, how you're going to connect. Um, but for today, for right now, to answer your question, you know, the main thing is, you know, having a really solid retention effort when customers call to cancel. I personally hate transferring to the cancel line, right? Because I know it's coming and that just makes me, it gets me defensive right away. But a lot of times if there is some type of downsell, right? In the offer, when someone's calling to cancel, you know, the first thing is, right? Try to resell it, right? So you're going through the benefits, make sure they understand everything that they had. If you can see how they utilized it, make sure that they understand, hey, you also have this. I don't know if you know that, Um a lot of times with the credit card, if you don't have a balance, hey, let's just keep it, right? That kind of thing. Um, 
<clears throat> the other thing is if they still say no, having some type of downsell effort, right? To maybe it's a little bit cheaper. Maybe there's a little bit less benefit. I mean, stuff that, again, this isn't rocket science, but that's kind of, you know, how we're doing. And the other thing is, is keeping in touch with the customers, right? Don't just sell it and go away. A lot of people sell it and then they were like, oh God, I just hope they forget that it's on their credit card. And that's a strategy. I'm not saying it's not, but I think more importantly, you know, there should be outreach to this customer. Hey, has everything been going good? Hey, we have a new product. You're constantly cross-selling, upselling to them, not constantly, but offering them really good value adds that are super cheap compared to maybe everybody else because they're already a customer. Um, again, this is this all comes down to kind of the brand, right? If you're just selling a product, there's no loyalty to that product other than what you need it for for that time. But if you're selling and, and you you trust the brand, um, you're going to retain a lot more and for a longer period of time, your customer. So again, a lot of the offshores, you guys are just trying to make a quick buck. Again, that's, I'm probably going to get a lot of tweets for that, right? But you're just trying to sell, right? You're trying to make this income at that time. And the amount of time that really goes into retention project um, to where you're, you're maintaining customers is, is a huge, huge deal. Um. But when it comes, um, I think, how can we control attrition in the process? Uh, when it comes to the you know customer support agent, again, that's that's uh, we could talk for hours on that. But again, it's how much are you paying them? Um, how are you engaging them? Um, what are some of the things you're doing to motivate them? Is there any type of way that they can advance in your in your company? Um, you know, there there's so much to this that it's not just a transactional job. Right. But you're trying to make it more of a, of a career move and something that's cool and fun. Right. The call center can be can be really, really difficult. Um, and I think there's a there's a mentality, depending on what country you're in, too, on on how much you know fun you're supposed to have. And and, and or is it just you know, this hardcore sales kind, kind of aspect? I think it's, it's really hard and, and people are leaving work from home is huge. There, there's just so much to it when it comes to you know, retention of agents and I've done a ton of podcast episodes on them. So check those out. Um, but yeah, again, we could, we could talk for a really long time on that. You know, one of the things that we still do that I think works is that we do our attendance uh, multiplier, right? So base rate, every time that you work a full week, um, your base rate goes up. And then if you call off, you know, it goes just back down to your regular base rate, right? You don't lose any money. Right. Because normally you'd just be making whatever this 14 bucks or 15 bucks. Right. But you can make up to 18, 19 bucks. Right. If just for coming to work, your QA could be bad. Your everything could be bad. But as long as you're here. Right. So there's certain things you got to just think outside the box that we've tried and we've implemented. And some of them work. Some of them don't. That's one that has. Um, but I think that that's you know, something that you can talk to your employees about, try to get them to buy in. Um, and it's a really good way to uh, to, to do that. Again, it's brand as well. Like in Erie, uh, PA, we're a pretty cool brand to work for, um, especially on the call center side. I'm not saying overall business-wise, but when you talk about the contact centers in Erie, even the the internal ones, right, the hospitals and the insurance companies, right, You, we're known as having a little bit more fun. Um, we're known as I can't pay as much as maybe Erie Insurance, right, which we were paying the reps like 20, 25 bucks an hour in Erie. Um but we're trying to do our best with that, with with what we're doing from a base rate and, and what we're doing with with some of the other ways to, to kind of keep them. So hope that answered. Uh, hope that answered that question. 
Oh, um, I was just, I'm being reminded by our, our content creator, um, Destiny. Make sure that you follow us on TikTok. It's just at call center underscore geek. Um, she's already created about 25. We're going to do about 50 to 100 different TikToks um, to add to the core concepts of what we talked about here on LinkedIn. Shorter snippets. Um, I think things that, you know, maybe your, your supervisors can, I don't want to say handle because they can handle all anything, but, you know, during the day, right? Just nice and quick and, and, and some information that, that they can give them there too. So make sure that you, you, you guys do that. And I have, I have no update yet. This is an update on the uh, NFT project. You know, we're still shooting for a July uh, drop. So um, anybody who is interested in our content, interested in talking to me more, having more access to me, you know, having me help in any way possible, um, that's going to be totally free, right? You'll just have to pay for gas, um, which, you know, we're hoping will be about 20 bucks. Um, and then you'll have basically three-year access to me with, you know, anything that, that you know may, may come up in your contact center. Um, private Discord, we'll do some private webinars with some really cool people that have already kind of signed up with me. Um, so, so kind of excited for that. All right, so this is a great question, and I will bring on some of our uh, HR guys because they have really evolved this even beyond what, what I, I guess, started with them. Um, but the main thing, so as you guys know, we have a culture and we set two pillars and we say it's an entre- entrepreneurial mind. Oh my gosh. Uh, entrepreneurial. <laughs> anyway. Oh my gosh. You can't, I just want to brain dead. But anyway, attitude and effort, a sunshine attitude with an entrepreneurial mindset, sunshine attitude with an entrepreneurial mindset. That's kind of the culture phrase that we use, which basically boils down to the two pillars of attitude and effort. Right. So we hire, we, we promote, um, we incent, right. Looking at things like sentiment scores and, and your attendance, right. We incent you on those things that we believe show attitude and effort. So one of the main things that we like to do is we have some questions that we're asking, um, when we're in the, in the HR process, in the hiring process. And the main thing is we're having conversations. We're not asking questions, right. We want to talk to you about your your family. We want to talk to you about, you know, what you've been doing. We want to have kind of a back and forth, um, not, hey, uh, how much experience do you have? Uh, what type of projects have you worked on? Um, how long have you been in the call center industry? We, I, we don't care about any of that. We're trying to get at the core, the heart of the person. We're trying to make them laugh, right? You know, questions like, you know, if you were, what color crayon would you be, right? If you, if you had to... Uh, if you had to be one color in the, the big giant Crayola box, and again, I don't care what color you pick, but they're going to say a certain color, blue, red. And I think these guys have done a pretty good job of correlating colors. We've had conversations on that to, to reps. I don't know how scientific it is, um, but basically it gets the, it gets the, the potential employee to laugh, right, to open up. Now, if they don't open up, and I know that some people are introverts and we don't want to totally judge, but – at a certain point, we have to make a decision. Are they just nervous or is that kind of their personality, right? And if you're going to come in with a really good attitude and you're going to give maximum effort, we're trying to find outgoing, bubbly people because this is customer service, right? Unless we have a hardcore sales program and then that will change a little bit to what we're looking for. But for the most part, it's not that difficult, right? 
the main thing is just defining what your culture is and nobody does that. So they don't know who they're hiring. They're just hiring off a resume and I could care less about your resume um, unless I'm looking for like a specific programming language, right? That's a little bit different than, than hiring this that we can, we can teach you how to do the job. It's not an issue, uh, but we can't teach you, you know, we're not going to train how to come in every day with a, with a great attitude, right? Now there could be bad days and we're going to try to do our best to kind of pick you up. But if it's a trend, it's not worth the time for us, right? Because there's so much to do here and each client is so complex, right? That, uh, you know, we got to get through that to where we're just kind of trying to help you do your job. Awesome. Not try to make you happy again today. Um, so I, I think it's more conversational. That's kind of, that's kind of how it works. Um, then it is kind of transactional from the, the questions that we'll, that we'll ask. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of the biggest shift that we've done. Um, and sometimes these guys, you know, intentionally won't even look at their resume. Um, they just want to see what kind of person they are and are they a good fit for the, the, the type of team that they'll have. Um, I don't know. That's kind of worked for us, right? It's kind of worked. And again, like I said, we don't do surveys. Uh, we're not doing any type of assessments. Uh, we're not seeing how fast you can type. Uh, none of that is is anything that has to do with that. All we're caring about is, you know, are you a cool person that can fit in with us? Are you outgoing? Are you not going to be a, an individual? Are you going to be a team player? And basically, you're going to have a really good attitude every day. Um, and to be, it's kind of hard to find. Right? We probably hire about, I think the, at the last one, it was 19% of the people who apply, right? Which I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know if that's a lot, but, you know, there's... You know, two out of every 10 is basically what we're, what we're hiring. Um, and I, I will tell you as well, work from home has really saved us, right? If you are in the office right now, it's, it's been difficult, right? But work from home has kind of helped as well. So it's kind of made the pool a little bit bigger for what we're paying now. So again, I don't, I didn't get specific there. David, I'm going to do a video just for you, buddy, uh, this week with HR. And I'm going to, well, maybe we'll role play a, um, an interview so that we can kind of get to the heart of, of kind of what they do. Cause to be honest, it's been a while and I've uh, I know they've, they've evolved. So we'll see what they're doing now. All right, guys. Well, if that's it, I think that's pretty good. Um, again, I, I like how I know I changed this time. So I think it kind of screwed some people up here. I appreciate you guys who, who are going to hear this after the fact. Um, Cause there was about four of you that, that threw in answers in um, afterwards. Uh, just because you couldn't make it. So again, thank you. We'll try to get back on schedule next week, uh, doing this from one to two o'clock Eastern, but hopefully this is adding some value. The questions are getting uh, not better and better, but just more and more, and they're getting more diverse. So again, appreciate you guys. Um, please make sure that you uh, look at the $500 giveaway. Um, ooh, good question. So before I, I guess I end, so we do um, have paid vending machines here, um, but we are doing pretty much every day um, snacks, coffee, donuts um, every Friday for every anyone who's in the office is pizza um, or uh, their choice, right? So again, we <laughs> I have twenty three thousand square feet, almost twenty five thousand square feet of space. Everybody's at home. There's, I mean, you see some people walking behind you. That's kind of our, our management team. There's only about, 
probably seven of us here from a management standpoint and um, the supervisors are here as well. And then maybe 10, 15 reps. So it's not like the vending machines are killing it. Uh, our guys, I don't know about you guys, but they're huge Uber Eats and Dash, DoorDash people. Like when we had everybody here, that was an issue. <laughs> we had to almost do a drive through of ourselves, right? To have, you know, 500 agents and everybody's DoorDash. And like, it was this constant stream of, of, of people bringing stuff. And I don't know who it was for. And you know, people were getting like, Hey, that's mine. But that was all brand new, right? Like when that was happening pre COVID, like 2019, like that's when kind of thing really hit from, from that standpoint. So, um, I don't know. We, uh, we still will Uber you to work if you have an issue, uh, trying to do, you know, still that and trying to be cool with that. But I don't know. I guess I never really thought through, probably should have, you know, the free vending machines for the agents, but, um, I don't, don't really make a lot of money off of it. So it's probably, and sometimes when the guy doesn't show up, I end up <laughs> filling the stupid thing anyway, which is a pain in the rear. Um, but again, I think, you know, throughout the week, we're, we're trying to do some stuff. Uh, even though it's, there's not a lot of people here, I think it's still important. And, and I get some good content. Um, but uh, yeah. All right, guys. Hey, I appreciate it. I'm going to take off. Um, again, I'll see you guys next week. Love you guys. Thank you for all the questions. Hopefully I'm adding some value to you guys. Have a great day.